0: I'm your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's forward should be a really fun weekend in college football. Now look, second to last weekend of the regular season, we know how this works. Some of the big boys are not playing the best competition necessarily. Alabama's playing Chattanooga. Uh Florida is playing North Alabama. Florida State, excuse me, is playing North Alabama. LSU's got kind of a cakewalk game. So not quite the normal slate that we have. But when I tell you, we got some major marquee matchups with major implications. You already know Georgia, Tennessee, Washington at Oregon state, some other games of note, UCLA, USC, all of a sudden a very interesting twist with the chip Kelly reports of this week, Clemson, North Carolina, even Florida, Missouri, a game like that is all of a sudden very interesting with everything that is unfolding across the sport. So we're going to dive into it all. Before we do a couple quick reminders. First of all, make sure you're subscribed to college football betting with Aaron Torres. You want to do me a favor last couple weeks. Tell a friend, have them subscribe, have them download, and also leave a five-star rating and review on Apple. Really It does, really does help us move up those charts. Also, YouTube, College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. If you're not subscribed there, stop being a jerk. Just go ahead and subscribe. Also, before we get started, I should mention, and I've told you this for a few weeks now, with legal sports betting having come to the state of Kentucky about, what, a month, six weeks ago, the Aaron Torres Pod, College Football Betting with Aaron Torres, and all things Aaron Torres Media have partnered with DraftKings Sportsbook and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And here is the best part DraftKings has an incredible offer for the listeners of this show. First time customers, DraftKings, download the app. You can bet $5 on any game. And if you are a first time customer, you can get $150 in bonus bets instantly. When you use the promo code Torres, Torres, T-O-R-R-E-S. That is right. It is that simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Bet $5 on any game. Could be big time, small time, group of five, power five, whatever you want. Bet $5 on any game. You get 150 in bonus bets instantly when you use the code Torres, T-O-R-R-E-S. Again, for first-time customers only. With that said, Let's not waste any more time. Let's jump in really, really, really fun slate of college football with really kind of wide-ranging ramifications, okay? The big one, we all know what it is. Let's start on beautiful Rocky Top, Tennessee. Georgia at Tennessee. Georgia a 10-point favorite in the DraftKings sportsbook, over-underset at 58.5 in this game. Worth noting, when Tennessee did lose to Missouri last week, It clinched the SEC East title for Georgia. So Georgia is going to Atlanta. They are playing Alabama. So we got that to look forward to. But from the Georgia perspective, we got this big, big, big game here and now. And obviously, if you're Georgia, you want to keep winning. You win out, you're probably the number one seed in the college football playoff. You go into the SEC championship game undefeated. There's obviously a chance that if you lose to Alabama, not say you want to lose, but if you lose to Alabama, depending on how other stuff goes, maybe you get in as an at-large, So you want to keep winning if you're Georgia, but this is certainly going to be a tough test. Now, in terms of Georgia, let me say this. We've talked about this a little bit. I I, I want to create or coin a new term. The Georgia roller coaster really is a wild ride, okay? And so the Georgia roller coaster isn't what you think it is. It's not like the team is up and down, but it feels like, and we've talked about this, the perception of the program is up and down. They play a bad half. They're not great. They're not elite. They don't look up to your standard. And everybody says, I don't really know about Georgia. South Carolina game earlier this year, Auburn, they did not look great. And then every time you doubt them, what ends up happening? They come out and destroy the next team that they play. So think about earlier this year, right? They 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 win against Auburn, but it's not always pretty. People start doubting them. How good are they? Then they just come out and take it out on Kentucky. Coming out of the bye Florida. They just beat South Carolina. Maybe Florida can keep it close. No, no, no. Georgia's going to embarrass you. And then of course, after the Missouri game, you know, they beat Missouri, but it's, they're not dominant by any stretch. There was Ole Miss last week and they punished Ole Miss 50, 51 to 17 was the final score. It was not competitive. I thought it was maybe the best offensive game. Maybe I've ever seen from Georgia, certainly in this era uh, you know, and certainly relative to the competition, you're playing a top 10 team last week and you look at what they did. 611 yards of total offense. Carson Beck, I think is quietly just lying in the weeds of the Heisman trophy comp, uh, conversation. I don't think he's there yet, but I do think that ultimately like, you know, he wins a couple more games. He wins an sec championship game. He throws for 400 yards on Bama and I'm not saying he's going to. And Michael Penick struggles. Jaden Daniels who knows what happens with him over the last couple games Carson Beck is having a really really good season and it is worth acknowledging but was especially important for that old Miss game George's run game was dominant 300 plus yards of rushing well I take that back it was actually 300 exactly 8.6 yards per carry and Georgia the very rare team that it actually gets healthier over the course of the so that's the scary part right they're peaking, they're playing their best football. They just beat a top 10 team by a million points. And they obviously brought back Brock Bowers last week as well, which is a big deal. So Georgia's 10 and zero again, they've clinched the sec East. And then on the other side, there's Tennessee. While you could argue that Georgia is coming off the best game that they have played all year. Could also argue Tennessee is probably coming off the worst, right? They go to Missouri. Missouri is a really good team. Don't want to discredit Missouri, but at the same time, it just fell apart for tennessee now on the one hand look final score was 22 to 7 or the final score was 36 to 7 but it was 22 to 7 in the fourth quarter and there was like it wasn't quite as bad as the final score indicated but it wasn't good either 83 total rushing yards for tennessee worst rushing game of the season as best i can tell went back and looked at the numbers best i could find it was the worst rushing game of the season and then beyond that just everything else was ugly nine penalties 95 yards that's not good uh, turnovers that's not good. uh what was it? a pick six uh, touchdown for Missouri That's not good. And so these feel like two ships passing in the night, right? Uh, Tennessee coming off its worst game of the season. Georgia coming off its best. Now, in terms of this game, I think it's interesting. I think you can look at this kind of one of two ways, okay and let me explain why. if you just look at this game from the kind of matchup perspective, how these teams kind of match up, I do actually think it favors Georgia quite a bit, okay? Because Tennessee, while they struggled last week against Missouri, they have been, and we've talked about this, they've been a line of scrimmage team this year. For the most part, they have run the ball very effectively. The past game's kind of been hit or miss with Joe Milton. And for the most part, they have run, they have had a very good run defense and been able to get after the quarterback. So you look at those as strengths for Tennessee. You look at the fact that they quietly have a top 25 rush defense in college football. And you sit there and say, well, you're playing against Georgia. That's great news. Well, here's the thing. Georgia's passing attack is actually the strength of this offense this year. We just talked about Carson Beck a minute ago. And so Tennessee's pass defense is a little bit of a weakness for them. Now, they have guys that can get to the quarterback. That is worth noting. Um, and I think that's a really important thing to think about because of the fact that, that obviously uh, that's going to impact some of this game. James Pierce, eight sacks this year. Uh, uh, you know, Tyler Barron has six sacks, whatever. So I just go on and on down the list, and and Tennessee does get to the quarterback, but when they don't, they do give up a lot of pass yards. That's not good news going up against a very good Georgia uh, pass offense. And then it's also worth noting that Tennessee, again, as weird as it sounds, I, they, they want to run the football. Top-ranked rush, rush offense in the SEC, actually second to LSU, which is tops in every category in the SEC. Um, But then Georgia's rush defense is elite, top 20 nationally, second in the SEC to only Texas A&M. So you look at the matchups, second best run offense versus second best run defense probably does not favor Tennessee. And then, of course, again, the Georgia pass offense versus a not good Tennessee secondary, that's not ideal. I guess where I get tripped up, though, and I guess where I think Tennessee is going to keep it close. This is really the toughest test of Georgia's season in terms of a road venue. And it sounds crazy because we're in mid-November. We are talking about, what is this? The second to last weekend of the regular season. You know, this is only Georgia's third road game. Because remember, they've played three out of conference games so far. Those were all at home. They were supposed to play Oklahoma. Everybody knows that that series got canceled when Oklahoma went to the SEC. Also, the Florida game on a neutral field was a, a Georgia home game by technicality. So this is just Georgia's third road, true road game of the year. And again, because there was a neutral site game involved. And here's the crazy part. You know what the other two road games were at Auburn, which was a seven point Georgia victory and at Vanderbilt, which isn't even really a road game. When you really think about it, first of all, it was mostly uh, Georgia fans. They're basically playing in a high school stadium with all the construction. And so I bring it up because this is just Georgia's third road game of the season. They do close next week at Georgia tech. So it'll be a fourth road game, but I just bring it up to say, I do think Tennessee is going to keep this close. And my official best bet is Tennessee plus the 10 points. Not because I think Georgia is going to lose. Listen, I'm done picking against Georgia, but it's a couple things. One, it's the ebbs and flows of the season, the Georgia roller coaster. Every time you think they're peaking, they come back down to earth a little bit. It's like, you know, they read the headlines. They, they do. Maybe they don't, but they do. But every time you think they're peaking, They come back down to earth. And every time you doubt them, they get put their best, best foot forward. So I just look at this game and I think, look, I I haven't seen anybody pick Tennessee. Tennessee is coming off their worst performance of the year. Georgia is coming off its best performance of the year. So naturally everybody loves 10 or Georgia to win this game and to win it and dominate and cover. I'm going to do the opposite. I will take Georgia to win because Georgia hasn't lost a regular season game. And I don't even know how long, Uh, you know, years, literal years. Um, but they haven't lost a regular season game in forever. And so there's that, but I do think Tennessee keeps it close. Cause I just look at this Tennessee road environment, CBS game, three 30 Eastern time. This is going to be a big one. I do like Georgia to win, but my official best bet is Tennessee plus the points. I think it's something in the neighborhood of Georgia, 28, Tennessee, 24. Go ahead. Give me a Georgia victory, a Tennessee cover. Georgia re- runs the SEC slate undefeated as they get set for Georgia tech next week. Let's get to this. How about this? The other top 15 matchup. Well, it's the only top 15 matchup. I take that back. The, uh, another top 20 matchup, top 15 matchup with both playoff implications, but also uh PAC 12 championship game implications. Number five, Washington at number 12, Oregon state. First of all, show of hands, be honest. Do not lie to me. How many of you knew Oregon state is eight and two and Oregon state is in the top 15 nationally number 12 in the country. As crazy as that sounds. Well, I'm here to tell you they are. Here's the crazy thing about Oregon state too. They're not out of the PAC 12 playoff or the PAC 12 title picture yet. Now they have Washington at home at Oregon next week. Even if they were to win both, which would cause absolute chaos. um, Even if they were to win both, they would still need either Arizona to lose or Washington to lose a second game to get in. Um, but ultimately the, 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 only point I'm trying to make, they are still very much in the PAC 12 playoff picture. They need help. But if they went out, they would be in a scenario where one, they'd be tended to that have wins over Washington and Oregon. Um, and so we'll see what happens there. But as far as this game is concerned, let, let's, let's not waste any more time. Let's not go crazy with the hypotheticals. If Oregon state does this and Arizona does that and Oregon loses here, let's just focus. On, let's keep the main thing, the main thing as the kids say. The spread, by the way, I think is very interesting and worth noting. Oregon State, a two point home favorite, two point home favorite in this game. And also, oh, by the way, the over under in this one is at 63.5. And how about this? As I'm recording right now, spread just went from Oregon State minus two to Oregon State minus two and a half. So apparently, Vegas, apparently, DraftKings knows nothing about this Washington undefeated stuff. Very interesting. Let's get into these two teams. Um, and from the Oregon State perspective, listen, they're kind of who you think they are, right? And if you love college football, if you listen to this show, you know what Oregon State's all about. They want to run the ball. They want to play great defense. They they, they really kind of take after their region of the country. It's kind of cold. It's rainy. Um, it's not L.A. It's not Arizona. It's not bright lights. It's kind of grimy. It's kind of you got to you know, you just got to do what you got to do. Well, that's Oregon State. Top 20 rushed offense in college football, number two in the in the Pac-12, by the way. Um Damian Martinez, the leading rusher in the Pac 12. I think this is worth noting, over a thousand yards. I think he's 13th in the country or so, but leading the Pac-12 in rushing. Defense is once again very good. And credit DJ Uilaganale. Remember him, Clemson? He's having a pretty good year. Still not super accurate, 58% completion percentage, but does have 20 touchdowns, four interceptions on the year. And he's played well. He has them in position again for another 10-win season if they were to win out in a potential Pac-12 championship spot. So we'll see what happens from all that stuff. But they are playing really good football. Their only losses on the road have not lost at home yet. They lost at Arizona, at Washington State. And overall, they're just playing really good football up there in Corvallis. Again, I think it gets a little bit lost in the shuffle. But last few weeks here is what they've done. They've won five of six. That includes wins over uh, UCLA which is again, very interesting given the news of the week and also a win over Utah, which I think a lot of people have forgotten about on a Friday night at home. So they played well, well at home, they're playing well overall. They are the favorites. And then you got the Washington Huskies. Let me give the Washington Huskies a little credit. I have been critical of Washington because I think they had about a four or five game stretch where they did not play great. Three straight games. As I've said, they were outgained, went over Oregon, went over Arizona state, went over Stanford. They were outgained in all of them. Okay. Then you have after that, you have the win at USC where you don't you don't get out game because they they you, you you put up about 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 800 yards of total offense, got Alex Grinch fired, but you still gave up 42 points last week you take care of business against Utah and that's really where I kind of want to go with this. I want to give Oregon State a little bit of credit because when I look at Oregon State, they deserve the credit because, or, or Washington excuse me, they deserve the credit because that Utah game could have gone off the rails. They trailed 28, 24 at the half. And they just kind of took over from there. They outscored Utah, uh, what, 11-0 in the third quarter, if you include the safety. Weirdest play ever. There's a a potential defensive touchdown, and the Washington guy drops it on, like, the three-yard line as he's running into the end zone. I'm sure you've seen the highlight. It's picked up by Utah. It's recovered by Utah. Then Washington ends up getting a safety anyway. So, anyway, Washington, I give them credit. They took care of business. They did what they needed to do. I will say, though, as I look at this game, I do think it's a little bit of a different deal. First off, this is very interesting. This is important to know. It's expected to be a cold, rainy night in Corvallis. I just told you what Oregon State does well. I just told you what Washington does well. Who does that, who does that benefit? The team that runs the football top 20 rush offense or the top five pass offense in all of college football? Benefits the rush offense, right? Two, I also think it's worth noting. Listen, I know I just went over it. Washington is in a very precarious. They're not in a precarious situation because one, if they went out there in the playoff two, if they go to the PAC 12 championship game and they beat Oregon, or if they win the PAC 12 championship game with one loss, they're still going to the playoff. Okay. I don't think they're going to get squeezed out as long as they have one or fewer losses, zero or one losses. But at the same time, think about the last six game. We're now at a, at a halfway point. The last six games that Washington has played, they have four wins by one score or less, eight points or less. Another one of those games, they actually trailed at the half. That was Stanford or trail going into the fourth quarter, excuse me. And then there was the USC game where they gave up like 500 yards of total offense. So I don't know that we've seen the complete effort from Washington since like week two, week three. And that was against some lousy competition, a Michigan state team that had an interim head coach, a Boise state team that obviously fired their head coach over the last couple of days I know I keep picking against Washington. They keep winning. But I, I, I this just feels like the spot where they get tripped up. Good news, you win the Apple Cup. It, even if you lose, if you win the Apple Cup a few weeks later, or next week, excuse me, you are going to the Pac-12 championship game. And if you win there, you're going to the college football playoff. But I think this is a bad spot. I don't like the weather because of it. Give me Oregon State minus 2.5. I also think that over-under of 63, 63 and a half is way too many. Take the under. Those are two best bets for you. Oregon State minus two and a half, under of 63 and a half. All right, this so is we're going to Just take a quick break. Come back. When we come back, there's more to get to, including in the Pac-12. UCLA-USC just got very interesting with the Chip Kelly News of the Week. We'll take a quick break. Be right back. All right, everybody, I'm back. Gonna be back, gonna be back. I do want to switch gears. I do want to get to the rest of the week 12 slate. As I said to lead the show, uh, some of the marquee teams are not quite playing the best of competition. So we're not going to get to Bama Chattanooga. We're not going to get to Auburn, New Mexico State. We're not going to get to Arkansas, Florida, Atlantic. We're not going to get to Florida State, North Alabama. I don't even know who LSU is playing this week. But there are a couple marquee games I want to get to before we get out of here. And I want to start with one that has actually gotten more interesting over the course of this week. That is UCLA at USC. USC is six and a half point favorite. The over under set at 65 and a half. And boy, oh boy, are the off the field narratives and storylines getting fascinating as there are multiple reports that Chip Kelly could be out of a job after this game absolutely insane i know this isn't the time or the place for the torres chip kelly rant i think it is insane that ucla is even considering this okay i live in la and i'll do this on the torres pod i'll do the full rant but there is no juice at all in la for ucla football now you could argue some of it's chip's fault he's not doing enough kind of away from the facility but on the field last three years eight and four bowl game was canceled because of covid 9 and 4 last year and they're what 6 and 4 right now but they could finish 8 and 4. They they win this game they play Cal to end the regular season. That 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 is a potential 8 and 4 type year. I think it's crazy. The crazier part is this. They have figured out the defense. The defense struggled for so long. They have figured out the run game. It is the quarterback position where they just cannot get things right right now, but even still you have a five star in Dante Moore on the roster. So you have the quarterback of the future. You have the run game. You have the defense. You're going to the big 10. I think it's crazy. I did the head explosion on YouTube. If you're listening on podcast, I don't get it, but let's get into this game. And the one thing I will say, listen, first of all, the administration at UCLA is smart as hell. So I, I I'm sure there's more to the story that I have yet to uncover and boy, oh boy, you know, Torres is going to do a little snooping after I, I finish this, this segment, but I bring it up because UCLA is definitely not trending in the right direction. And, and they have lost two in a row. They have lost three of five, but what is especially noteworthy of the games that they've lost, the offense is completely falling apart. I know I just said the run game is great, whatever, but at the same time, two weeks ago, you lose 27, 10 to Arizona. And he's sitting there and say, well, Arizona's pretty good. Jed fish has things figured out. He has things rolling. Arizona is now a seven and three team. They've won four games in a row, but I bring it up because last week there is no excuse. You lose 17 to seven at home to Arizona state. And it is in large part because as I just said a minute ago, they just have not been able to figure out the quarterback situation this year. Uh, they had a couple veterans. They had Ethan Garbers back from last year. He was the answer for a minute. And then he struggled. Um, you know, chase Griffin's been in the program forever. He's not the answer. Uh, Colin Schley is a transfer from the Mac. He hasn't been the answer. And Dante Moore, the five-star you thought is the future. He struggled in his uh, only appearances of the season. And so you now are in a situation where UCLA with Chip Kelly, the offensive innovator uh, of years past is ranked in the bottom half of college football and passing. But again, you go back to what I said a minute ago, they are still running the ball very well. Top 15 nationally and running. And how about this? A top 10 defense nationally. Now, in terms of UCLA at USC, you don't need me to tell you much about USC either. Just a disappointing year, a frustrating year. They're seven and four. This is actually USC's final regular season game, which means I don't think people fully realize this is almost certainly barring something crazy, barring Caleb Williams dad following through on his promise that Caleb Williams could come back. This could be the final time Caleb Williams plays at USC. It's been a disappointing year. You do want to finish in style, um, but one brutal game last week. Okay. Okay. They lose to Oregon, final score 36-27. If you stayed up for that game, it was not that close. It was a nine-point nine, nine point final score. It wasn't that close. Oregon, 550 yards of total offense. U- USC barely broke 300. And if you watch the game, the difference, it's very obvious, is just in the line play, okay? Uh, Oregon is just elite on both lines. Uh, USC, on the other hand, 73 yards rushing, about 2.5 yards per carry. Caleb Williams was running for his life, as he often is. Uh, Oregon finishes with five tackles for loss, three sacks. USC, surprise, surprise, gets zero sacks in that game. And so when I look at this game, two programs reeling, neither playing particularly well. And I will say, I, I, I don't think either team's playing great. I do think this is probably a low-scoring game, and, and, and I, I do wonder how much either team has left in the tank at this point. UCLA, they had the buy early. They're struggling. There's rumors about their head coach. It's hard to imagine that they're going to be too fired up to play. But then you look at USC. This is the final game of the regular season. I think this is important to note. This is their ninth straight week playing. So they played in week zero. They played week one, week two. They had their bye back in mid-September and have been playing nonstop since late September. Not great for a team that is thin, not great along the lines. They're beat up. And I think it's also worth noting. It's not only they've played nine straight games. they played nine straight games against some good competition, some physical competition. Utah, at Notre Dame, at Oregon. Say what you want about those teams. They beat you up. And I just don't know how much juice is left for USC. Beyond that, I'll be honest. I I don't know how much juice is left for Caleb Williams. I didn't have a – listen, the the, the whole him crying in his mom's arm thing, that was a big deal. I mean, yeah, when you leave it out of the field, you're going to get emotional. He's been beat up. And I, th- I saw this. I thought it was kind of interesting. Lincoln rally kind of went on a rant about, you know, Caleb's got to clean up this. Caleb's got to clean up that. If I'm Caleb Williams, I'm like, dude, I got one game left with you, and I'm gone, okay? So I don't even know how, how locked in Caleb Williams is going to be. I think everybody's just trying to get to the finish line at USC. Again, because they played in week zero, there is no final game next week. This is it for USC. And I just I, – I wonder how much is left in the tank. I think this is relatively low scoring. I know USC's defense isn't very good, but UCLA's offense is struggling to move the ball. And I would also add this. As I said, game's not far from where I live. As I look out the window and I'm turning my head as uh, you watch on YouTube, it is a cold, rainy week in LA. It is expected to be cold and rainy probably in the 50s, rainy for this game. This screams under to me, people. 65 and a half is a lot of points in a game with that weather. I'll say USC wins 30 to 27-ish, 30 to 24, something like that. I think it goes way under. I think it goes way under for a USC game. I don't think this is pyrotechnics. I think UCLA wants to run the ball. UCLA plays great defense. I expect it to be low scoring. Let's keep it going. Interesting one in the ACC. Now, this one made headlines because the Texas A&M job is open. Dabo Sweeney was asked about Texas A&M, and he said, I'm just trying to focus on North Carolina. So it is the North Carolina Tar Heels, uh, potential number two overall pick, Drake May, traveling to Clemson to take on the Tigers. Kind of surprising. Clemson is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. The over-under in this game is set at 58-and-a-half. And the reason it's a little bit surprising don't know if you've heard Clemson has not been great this year. And the offense certainly has not been great. Meanwhile, North Carolina, all they do is put up points. One thing I will say from the Clemson perspective, I do give them credit. They, they haven't given up on the season and they've played better the last two weeks. Remember two weeks ago, Notre Dame came to town. They beat Notre Dame. Great win there. And then last week, they I thought they played probably their best game of the season at Georgia Tech. Certainly the most complete game, and I know Georgia Tech isn't any, uh, you know, Georgia Tech ain't exactly Alabama or Georgia. I get that, okay? But at the same time, in that game, 42 points for Clemson uh, against Power 5 teams that was a season high. They've only broken 40 once, 40 twice, excuse me. That was against Charleston Southern and Florida Atlantic, but they also finished in this game with uh, 465 yards of total offense, and the run game really got going. Will Shipley is back from injury. Remember, he was in, in concussion protocol for a few weeks, and both he and Phil Moffa really had a pretty solid game. They combined for well over 150 yards rushing. Clemson, I think, playing very well down the stretch here, sitting at 6-4 and four overall. As for North Carolina, back and forth thriller last week against Duke. Final score, 47-45. Uh, And bluntly, this one looked like pretty much every North Carolina game here over the last couple weeks. North Carolina puts up a lot of points. Drake May is phenomenal. Drake May in this game, finishing with 342 yards passing and a touchdown, 195 yards rushing for North Carolina, over 530 yards of total offense. The defense also gave up a lot of points as well. Duke. Remember Duke last week was playing with a backup quarterback. Riley Leonard is done and they put up 45 points against Carolina. Now granted it was in double overtime, but still probably not a great sign. And so when I look at this game, I'll be honest. I I actually like Clemson to win this game outright North Carolina. Listen, great story, all of that, but they can't stop anybody. So this, this defense is going in the wrong direction as we speak Uh, The defense specifically, this is the North Carolina Tar Heels I'm talking about right now. North Carolina is not a great run defense. They're giving up about 150-plus yards per game. That is Clemson's strength. North Carolina gives up about four yards per carry. They've given up 16 rushing touchdowns, which is in the bottom half of college football. Well, Clemson runs the ball really well, take a little bit off of Cape Klubnick's plate. And it's also worth noting, this is an elite secondary for Clemson even still, right? We talk about all the negatives with Clemson. Well, this pass defense is still elite. Uh, they have they're top ten nationally in pass defense, and they lead the ACC in interceptions with twelve on the season. Top ten in interceptions as well. So this will be the best secondary that Drake May has faced all year. Um, the Clemson defense, the Clemson offense is improving. And the other thing, lastly, I will say. Clemson at home has been pretty good this year, right? Like, like, like you look at Clemson, they're sitting at six and four overall. Okay. Well, who are their losses to at Miami? Well, at Duke open the season at Miami at NC state. Now those are games that Clemson used to win. No doubt. So I'm not saying that they're peak Clemson 2018 or whatever, but same time, three losses on the road. The only home loss was to Florida state 31, 24 was the final score there. And remember in that game, Clemson largely outplayed Florida state. Now I'm not saying Florida state didn't deserve to win. I'm just saying that Clemson um, outplayed them. And there was that weird scoop and not weird. It was a, it was a great play by Florida state scoop and score returned for a touchdown, completely swung the game. Clemson was, was driving to take a, what was it? A 14 point lead. Instead of all of a sudden it's a tie game. And it, the wheels kind of fell off from there. So I just bring it up to very simply say that when I look at this game, Clemson is at home. They have played well at home. It is senior day for Clemson. I think there's going to be a lot of motion there. I expect Clemson to win. Let's go through some of the other games really quickly. You know, in the SEC, Missouri hosting Florida. Missouri, how about the Tigers? Top 10 team after what they did last week to Tennessee. They are an and half point favorite. The over-under set at 59. Talked a little bit about what Missouri did last week. 500 plus yards of total offense, pick six. They beat Tennessee. They embarrass them. There's the weird back and forth with Eli Drinkwitz and Tennessee, Josh Heupel. Florida, on the other hand, it's a debacle. And we're going to, we talked about him on the Aaron Torres pod on Monday. But Florida's not playing well. They're not recruiting. Their recruiting class is kind of crumbling around them. But the one thing about Billy Napier, I keep saying this. Every time you're ready to give up on him, he pulls a rabbit out of his hat. Remember early in the season, everything's going bad. We don't know if they're good. They beat Tennessee. Then they lose to Kentucky. Oh my goodness. They're terrible. Whatever. They beat South Carolina. All of a sudden they, uh, and so we're at the point with Billy Napier. Like, I don't think he's, I I won't criticize Billy Napier too much, but every time it seems like everyone has given up on him, he finds a way to get the win that he needs uh, and I would say, by the way, this is the kind of time that they need. They need this kind of win. You lose to Arkansas a few weeks ago. Arkansas is three and seven, not going bowling. It's their only SEC win. By the way, their first ever win in the swamp. And then to give up 700 yards of total offense to LSU last week. I'm just saying, I think Florida, the one thing I will say about Florida, Graham Mertz has weirdly been like the only positive on that team. And when I look at Florida, a couple of things, one, They did move the ball against LSU. They had 500 yards of total offense. It just got overshadowed by Jaden Daniels being superhuman in that game. And so I just bring it up just to simply say, I think this is a game. I'm not picking Florida to win, but I think Graham Mertz does enough to keep it competitive. Missouri, that offense is elite, but remember that pass defense is a little bit susceptible. Bottom half of the SEC and pass defense. I think Graham Mertz does enough. I will say Missouri wins 31-27. Florida covers. Another SEC game. I'm not going to touch this one. Kentucky, a one-point favorite at South Carolina. You know that Kentucky has largely owned this rivalry, if you want to call it a rivalry. Kentucky is seven and two in their last nine in Columbia. That includes a pair of wins during that three wins actually in Columbia. Three of the last four times they've played in Columbia, they won. Now last year. South Carolina did win at Kentucky, but I do like Kentucky in this game. I know Kentucky it did not go well last week, and I know that overall uh, the last couple weeks it has not been great. But first of all, last couple weeks you played Bama, Tennessee. You want to win like like Missouri's obviously better than we thought. Tennessee's good. I'm not making excuses, and I don't think ten- Kentucky fans want to hear me make excuses. But all of a sudden, that Missouri loss doesn't look so bad. You also lost to Bama. You also lost to Georgia those kind of explain themselves. I think Kentucky gets to the win there quickly in the ACC three games or in the, in the P- big 10, excuse me, three games of note, that big three, if you will, it's really a big two plus Penn state. Let's be honest, but interesting games here, Michigan on the road at Maryland, Michigan's a 19 point favorite. Won't be betting this one. We don't know the status of Harball. Remember they have that uh, injunction meeting or that injunction ruling on Friday. There's a possibility he's allowed to coach that game. So that I don't know. Um, and then also, you know, Maryland, they can score quickly. Maryland actually played Michigan tough last last year in Ann Arbor, playing tougher than anybody in the Big Ten, honestly. Um, so that one's a stay away to me. The other thing, too, remember, Sharon Moore last week, I thought they got up and Sharon Moore just, frankly, I don't blame him. He's the intern. Season's on the line. He coached not to lose all those runs in a row. Stay away from me. Maryland run defense by the way is not that bad. Uh Penn State hosting Rutgers. Penn State a 20 and a half point favorite. I was going to take Rutgers, but Rutgers has been really bad offensively against good defenses, including last week they lost 22 to nothing to Iowa. So this Penn State defense is elite. I could see the scenario where, you know, Penn State wins 27 to 3 and they somehow cover the offense i think will open it up obviously after firing the offensive coordinator stay away there the one line that i do like though ohio state at home against minnesota ohio state's a 27 and a half point favorite minnesota listen they're not good but they play well on defense and if you let them control the time of possession they will cover a almost four touchdown spread number 18 nationally in time of possession number 2 in time of possession in the big 10 behind only michigan think Minnesota does enough to keep it close. I'll say 31 to 10 final score Ohio State wins but Minnesota covers uh interesting one in the big 10 or big 12. I, I'm getting all my conferences confused here. How about Kansas State uh traveling to Kansas Kansas State an eight point favorite over under 56 and a half. We know what these two teams do well. Uh, Kansas state runs the crap out of the ball. Kansas scores a bunch of points. Eight feels like a lot for Kansas to be getting at home. I would lean Kansas, but will not be betting that one. Texas Longhorns, An interesting one in the big 10, or I keep changing up my conferences here, but Texas, they play at Iowa state, a seven and a half point favorite. You know, Texas keeps messing around. No Jonathan Brooks. This is kind of a scary spot for them. Total stay away to me. Um, And I really think that's it. I really think that's it. Uh, Arizona one point favorite against Utah. This speaks to how good Jed fish has been because Arizona being a one point favorite, this is something nobody could have predicted in the preseason, Arizona seven and three right now. They play Arizona state next week to go eight and four. They win this one. They're a nine win team. I think Arizona wins Arizona covers. Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I, I think that's it. I, I've talked long enough. It's a little bit of quiet a week and I do think it's time for me to get out of here. So I will get out of here. And a quick reminder, if you're not subscribed to the College Football Betting Podcast, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe. Also make sure to leave a rating and review on Apple. That really would help. You'd really be doing your boy Torres a solid. Um, Make sure you're following uh, on YouTube as well. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter at Aaron Torres pod on Instagram aaron torres uh uh pod on tiktok if you're a tiktok kind of person um and i really think that's about it from my perspective that's all for today's show i think next week because it is uh such a a a loaded slate because it is a holiday i'll try to get this show out earlier maybe tuesday morning now we won't have a lot of injury information but i want to get it out early i know a lot of you will be traveling make sure to subscribe so you get it there i think that's it Thank you guys. Enjoy week 12. We got one more of these before championship week. We'll be back next week. Enjoy the games, everybody.